0: wake up america before it's too late the steve day show
1: and greetings welcome to the steve day show here live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast i am steve Dace. i am on location in boise idaho for the medical freedom conference held today by we the patriots usa they have been uh, one of the first into the battle against COVID, stand in the courts. Uh, we have featured them a lot on the show over the last couple of years because of their outstanding work. And they are putting on a conference here this weekend. Uh, our good friend Dr. Peter McCullough will be here. Our good friend Dr. Ryan Cole will be here. Uh, Charlie Kirk will be here, yours truly, and others will be speaking at this conference here this weekend in Boise, Idaho. But before we get to all of that, I'm here to do the Friday program, and we have an unusual setup today. Uh, There is an illegal alien sitting in my chair uh, Uh, back there in Des Moines.
2: Todd you look like you've gotten taller <laughs> way taller way better looking I gotta tell you this these bill bars are really doing a yes. thing for me
1: <laughs> so so Todd has the day off as well because his daughter is at the state semifinals uh, playing in the state soccer semifinals so we gave him a day off to be a dad so sitting in for him is Bob Vanderplotz he has never done the day group before and if you think we will take it easy on him you clearly <laughs> have never listened to this show before uh, and then it. We are also joined by Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. Jill, are you ready and prepared to carry this old man for the next hour the way Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to have to carry Bill Walton? Are you ready to go?
3: Absolutely. I'm always ready for a days Group Friday. I, I look forward to these days. And you know what? Getting Bob in the mix, only the, the most powerful man in Iowa right now and defeated in the Iowa caucus. Case. So let's go. I mean, we have he, a lot to talk about.
1: I mean, Bob's even getting featured in political uh, commercials now. All right. So there you go. And then, of course, there is Aaron, without whom uh, none of this would be possible. So, Aaron, thank you very much for uh, coordinating this uh, odd four-way call uh, that we are going to call the Dace Group here this week. I also want to let you know that uh, I have finally gotten a couple of complaints about Eden pure air purifiers. I've told you for the last year plus since they've been on the air how much excitement there has been about them as a product. People have tried uh, their oxy purifiers that don't just give you fresh smelling air but kill the bacteria, the mildew, even some of the viruses and the odors that are causing that foul air in your home or your office. Well, I've gotten some complaints. Hey, I ordered it. I want my thing here like now. I'm, I've heard how great this thing is. You know, I'm waiting. Well, you guys have ordered so many of these, man. They're they're struggling right now to make sure to keep up with the demand, all right, because of how popular this product is. But don't worry. It is on its way. I promise you. All right. So if you want to try the uh, the three pack for whole home protection, or maybe one for your home, one for the garage, one for the office, however you want to split it up, three units they come in a three pack for under two hundred dollars, including free shipping as well. Free shipping as well if you use the offer code Steve when you go to edenpuredeals.com. Offer code Steve at edenpuredeals.com. And with that, it is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was. Yes, Bob, I warned you. We just ripped this entire thing off from the (laughs) McLaughlin Group. The logo, the music, everything. The only thing we don't have is John McLaughlin himself, because he's dead now, and Eleanor Clift. All right? But everything else is a complete ripoff. Issue one, bleep, Lord Nefarious says.
3: Matt's citation off cases about the Olympics is pertinent, but an argument for better planning and more transparent discussions. Your argument is really bad on this, and you're out of your depth. You're correct that trans women should be able to compete in women's sports, but your argument for it is just scientifically and factually incorrect. I'm actually not bad about this. Um, I'm 100% right on this. I don't give a sh about the scientific explanations, people, if they identify as a woman, get to compete in sports. If that's not fair in the short term for a variety of little competitions, I don't give I I don't give a because the societal interests of including trans people in society trumps stupid competition, full stop. So I'm right about this, you're wrong about this.
0: I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again, white women are one of the most dangerous groups in the United States and abroad. At this point, we've pretty much all seen the video of the city bike incident between the black guy and the white woman. The black guy claimed that he bought the bike, the white woman claimed that she bought the bike. It was a tug of war match. But notice how white people were laying in wait for some little nugget of information that was gonna absolve this white woman of taking accountability for the harm that she put these boys in.
2: Hey y'all, my kid finally made it to this stage. So excited, we got the name change, legal, everything, all the documents are done. This is all that's left.
1: Help this cute kid reach his goal.
0: Thank you. When Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism,
3: literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want and not sell the things you don't. Agriculture
2: contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero, we don't get this job done unless agriculture This front and center is part of the solution. It's a hard time because a lot of people have internalized the lies they've been told. After the search of Mar-a-Lago, there were days of lies about the FBI acting as some sort of thug army. And that hurts because the FBI needs to knock on doors and get people's help. It needs to be able to stand up in a courtroom and say, I saw this thing and not be seen as a
1: political actor. They are not political actors, but the
2: lies have an impact. We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate.
1: All right. So, Jill, if you don't mind, I'm going to break protocol if you're okay with it. All right? Because we've got a newbie here who has never, ever— had to experience the pure, unadulterated onslaught known as Aaron's montage of Bleep Lord Nefarious says. So, Jill, if if, if the lady doesn't mind demurring here, uh, because usually it's ladies first, all right, I want to get Mr. Vanderplatz's reaction to what you just witnessed. What was the most
2: vile and despicable thing that you just saw, Bob, and why? Well, oh, when I watched that, I thought, my gosh, do we need spiritual revival? Uh, it's revival mm-hmm. or bust. This is a culture that's not just drifting away from the heart, heart of God, but it's in a direct, a, a direct sprint uh, from the heart of God. You know, the most vile thing, Steve, I'm not sure what I would pick out on that. Obviously, Iowa being an agricultural state, so it's awfully hard to see Kerry there. It's awfully hard to see McCarthy, given reasons why we should continue to grow government and pass debt ceilings. Uh, having corporations force their ideology and beliefs onto uh, their employees as well as onto their customers. Uh, unelected bureaucrats basically saying, you know, we're going to force this wokeism on you. Uh, I, there, there's a lot there. And so Lord Nefarious is uh, he's from behind the curtain. He's on center stage. And and he believes we should celebrate this darkness right now uh, versus turn our heart back to God, his principle and his precepts. So there's, there's a lot there.
1: Make no mistake, by the way, when John Kerry says we cannot get to net zero without dealing with agriculture, what he's talking about is starving people. Yes. That's what he's talking about. I just want to make sure everybody is clear on that. We're talking about starving people. All right, Jill, you've waited long enough. What say you?
3: Well, as the only woman on this panel, I will take the, the women's side of things and address the trans women in sports going through. And I don't care what you believe. If you care about competition, guys, at some point, you have to say, if if you want to choose that as your lifestyle, Sometimes things aren't going to be available to you, right? You've made decisions in your life and decisions have consequences. Men should not be competing against women in sports. I don't care how many drugs you've taken to suppress your testosterone, to elevate your estrogen, that doesn't mean that you're the exact same as a born biological woman. I I look at this and just say, we have suspended all common sense in an area that should be so easy to see. And when you have columnists of USA Today in the sports world going out and saying, Sam Ponder, you're bigoted for trying to come out and, and say that women should only be allowed to compete against other women, not trans women, we have lost all common sense moving forward. And then you go through and the, the black woman saying that the white women are the biggest threat that we have in this country. Well, Target is about to learn their lesson. And what Target is doing is much, much worse than what Bud Light did, right? You could have, you could say that Bud Light had one rogue marketing person in there, among their midst and and throw Dylan Mulvaney a can with his face on it. But what Target did is, is they have buyers, right? The process for something as big as Target in the department stores, the buyers would have had to go through months and months ahead of time. And they decided that for you, white women, black women, men, whoever you want to say is Target's main audience, they said that it was okay to go out and have Satanists uh, in their line to, to say that it's not only going to be the LBGTQ, it's also going to be Satan. They are going to learn their lesson, and they need to learn a much bigger, harder lesson than Bud Light did, because what they did required much more thought going into it. So I hope that, that the women show up and say that they are not going to allow their dollars to go to places that absolutely proven that they've hated you.
1: So in other words, uh, Satan cloned himself is what you're saying. But um, I saw a, a tweet yesterday from a professional female athlete. Uh, I'm summarizing here, but she's like, listen, I, I deadlift 300 pounds. My brothers barely work out. They beat me at every single athletic competition we've ever tried our entire lives. That was her tweet yesterday I saw. When you hear that, Jill, you are you come from the sports world. Your thoughts are what?
3: Of course. Of course that's going to happen because men are bigger, faster, stronger. Why do you think we have Title IX in the first place? If everything was just all good, we mm-hmm. wouldn't need to have women's sports and men's sports. Mm-hmm. Horse. course, because you, you listen and, and we heard a lot of the different things with Michael Phelps and how he was just a perfect specimen to go through and, and, and be a swimmer, right? Because his lung capacity is bigger because he's a man. The lactic acid that he was able to, to you know, burn off quicker to make him the, the prime candidate to be the, the gold medal winner of all gold medal winners in swimming. There are certain things that men have at their disposal that women just do not have. And it doesn't matter if you change estrogen and testosterone levels because it's internal things that you absolutely cannot change that you're just born with.
1: In other words, kind of the essence of who you are, one way or the other. Aaron. You and Jill
0: kind of hit on my top three in uh, in that montage, but I'll go back and put a, a finer point on what was going to be the worst of the worst of the week, and it is John Kerry. I, I become, whether it's whatever sect of the spirit of the age cult, whether it's the climate cult, whether it's the gender cult, it's really easy. This happens to me sometimes as well when they go through their nonsensical, absolutely bat crap, crazy talking points. You kind of get numb to it until
2: mm-hmm.
0: until you think through what they're actually saying. Mm-hmm. And John mm-hmm. Kerry there. And it's not just John Kerry. It's Cousin Eddie and Aunt Becky on Facebook sharing their uh, global warming screeds and how we need to go to net zero. What they're advocating for, as you rightly pointed out, Steve, is starvation on the scale of potentially millions if they actually follow through. That's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Don't let them forget that. And don't forget it yourself either, as I do sometimes.
1: It's just the latest iteration of good old-fashioned Malthusian ethics, man. There's nothing new under the sun. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the odds that Trump will ever truly humble himself about the mistakes he made in 2020, and 10 being the odds that Lindsey Graham likes to be humiliated every chance that he has, Rank this week's level of toll depravity, Bob.
2: (laughs) I I don't see Trump ever saying sorry. I don't say he's ever wrong. I don't see him ever humbling himself. I think he's had plenty of opportunities to do that. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I think he's always going to take credit for things that other people should be taking credit for. And he's never going to take the blame for things he should take the blame for.
1: Did that— Exit question hit a little close to home since Lindsey has been blowing up your phone for months, brother. He's on he's on the he's on the Bob Bat line right now.
2: Well, at least Lindsey Graham uh, he's my new BFF. I will agree with you on that. He's coming out to Iowa in a couple of weeks. Strictly platonic, strictly platonic,
1: folks. He's
2: (laughs) he's going to have an event with us, and the thing is, at least he's at least championing the culture of life at the federal level, so we're, we're willing to engage him in that conversation. But when it comes to Trump. I just don't. This guy's going to take credit for everything and never take blame for anything.
1: Jill, what say you? Where are you at?
3: Uh, Bob is currently regretting coming on the Dace Group. I am at a solid 10.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, 10. I want Bob to know, because we've been friends for many years, I did think for a second about taking that out because you were here. Oh, I thought no, about it for a second. Absolutely and then, not. Uh, now, only a second. Don't get me wrong. Only a second. <laughs> I, I am still Steve Dace. It was only a second that I, I, I had a momentary attack of conscience, and then I've quickly dissipated, and I kicked that off to the side and just stuck with the original rundown.
2: I'm probably uh, the only before, one on the day's panel that can really say, you know, Trump's a friend and Lindsey is a friend. Uh, there you go. All right, let's go to our friends
1: over at Patriot Mobile, because they are the leaders right now, trailblazers, in fact, in building the necessary parallel economy. There's just not a lot of places you can go to completely avoid spending money with people who hate you uh, or will fund the people that do. Thankfully, when such an opportunity exists, take full advantage of it. You can with our friends at Patriot Mobile. They are America's really only uh, American mobile phone company left if you become a member of Patriot Mobile. They've got an outstanding customer service team. I've seen it with my own family. Anytime we've needed something, they have uh, always been there. Uh, They respond fast. And it's not while you're promoting them. So, of course, I I, I hear this from uh, folks out there in the audience as well about their dealings with Patriot Mobile. And right now, for example, if you move to a different part of town where the signal is a little weaker or another part of the country where that's the case and you need to make a switch, you can switch to any of the three major networks in the country via Patriot Mobile anytime you want as a member for free. Just one of the perks about making the switch to Patriot Mobile. And if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know and they've got extra thank yous for you as a way of of thanking you for your service to the country. For the rest of us, Get a free activation with the offer code Steve, a free activation with the offer code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. All right, let's get to issue two. In a shocking development, guy with a lifetime F Liberty score, F's his own base. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy got rolled by this guy. (laughs)
0: McCarthy. negotiated a deal with the White House to raise the debt ceiling by about 4 trillion dollars. According to Congressman Chip Roy, the deal leaves in place the IRS expansion, contains no meaningful cutbacks in spending, and the spending it does do provides nothing extra for border security. The bill passed the House of Representatives Wednesday night. McCarthy defended the deal he struck on Fox News last weekend.
2: We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate.
1: All right, Jill, since you gave up first chair on issue one, you get it here on issue two. How shocked are you that Kevin McCarthy did not keep his vow to defund the 87,000 new IRS agents as we were promised last fall? And the only answer acceptable is not shocked at all but come up oh, with another one. Oh wow. Word.
3: So so <laughs> shocking, Steve. So shocking. Uh, Kevin McCarthy this week, when I look at him and on all the different interviews that he's done, he looks like such a beta right? He's not an alpha. He's not a leader of men. He's not getting any enough Republicans to rally around him. This bill passed with more Democrats than it did Republicans, as we all know. And I look at this and I say, of course, that the Republicans are going to fold. This is what they do. We should be used to it. So why does it hurt so bad? It looks like we had something different, right? Because just a few months ago, Kevin McCarthy, it seems like he's already forgotten that it took the most rounds of voting to get him in as Speaker since the Civil War, right? Like there there were differences this time. The 20 came together, rallied around and said, if you do anything wrong, we will have the motion to vacate. And the thing that that is different about this is, now we bake in the cake of the pre-COVID levels in spending. We don't get They look at it and say 1% across the board. We get a cut. Well, but it's still gonna add $4 trillion at the end of the day, so that's not even a cut. And they want to be patted on the back for something that is so weak that we are at the end of the Republic. And they're like, man, we got a 1% cut, you guys. When you look at this, if you can go 10, 20 years in the future and look back at this, it's still going to be so weak that it doesn't even matter. And the fact that people are out there, my my House representative is Mark Green. He was undecided going into the vote that night, quote unquote, undecided, uh, voted to pass this bill. And then comes out with a three minute statement on Twitter saying, oh, you guys, this was the best that we could do. We either were going to have a, a clean debt limit pass, or we were gonna get some cuts. Well, you know what? What we learned in junior high social studies was that the House originates all spending bills. And I I believe that the Republicans are still in charge of the House. So wield the power that you have. The American people were on the side of the Republicans for once. We had 65% of people that didn't want this all to go through. Use the power that you have. Oh, Joe Biden, he wouldn't negotiate with us. Okay, great. Stop being so weak and ineffective I am sick and tired of it.
1: Hmm.
0: Aaron. This has been the song and dance of the GOP my entire life, especially the last 10 10 to 15 years or so. And
1: It's called Surrender Theater. It's got a good beat, and you can dance to it. It's
0: also called insanity, that we keep getting our hopes up for this. Trying the same thing over and over and over again, or believing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. There's a guy in Florida who has proven that if you actually project and show and wield strength and power that you have, you can be successful. You just have to be willing to do it. There is a little appetite. There's maybe We learned maybe 10 to 20 people, representatives. They were the cabal that essentially got Kevin McCarthy to give them some concessions. How many people was it? Was it 13, 14 representatives? Chip Roy was among them. That's about the number of people in the U.S. House of Representatives, and it's not that many more in the Senate, maybe no more in the Senate, We actually have the appetite for sticking up and telling those like Joe Biden where they can stick it. There's just not an appetite for a real fight, one that actually requires backbone. There never really has been. As you said, it's surrender theater, and for those of us in the cheap seats who think, oh, it's going to be different this time around, and there's very few of those people left, it's called insanity as well.
1: So, Bob, we've done a, a lot of good work in our home state of Iowa, making it at this point redder than Texas. Mm-hmm. But, dude, when we say that, we're talking about what goes on within our state. Brother, Jill was singing the uh, lament, lamentful ode of our own congressman voting for this. Bob, every single member of the Iowa congressional delegation, all Republicans, all voted for this, Bob. Every single one of them, all voted for it.
2: Yeah, Steve, to use your words, first of all, I'm not shocked at all that uh, Kevin McCarthy led this, went through with it. Uh, Your words, the new boss looks a heck of a lot like the old boss, and you can insert Mm -hmm. who the old boss is. But what Jill Savage said as well earlier on about, you know, it took Kevin McCarthy how many rounds of votes to become Speaker of the House? But there's things in there like uh, weaponizing the IRS against our own citizens. And we're saying, oh, that's OK. Uh, we continue to grow government. What we're looking for is somebody with a backbone. And the reason was more red today than Texas, and I know, Steve, we're disappointed in, in our, our representatives at the federal level right now as they all voted for this, is because you've seen some bold and courageous leadership. That's what's given Ron DeSantis' rise for run for president because of what's happened in Florida. But it seems like every candidate that comes in here right now to run for uh, the caucuses, they want to win the Iowa caucuses. They're all going to talk things like, you know, we need to square our shoulders. We need to confront the issue at hand about this debt ceiling. We need to get the debt under control. But yet when any time presents itself that we can actually do something about it, we fade. And as Jill said, too, we have no idea what the art of negotiation is. We have no idea what leverage is, even when you go back to President Trump who wrote The Art of the Deal. Guys, he did the same thing when he was president, signing these continuing spending bills, omnibus bills. And even when he was on CNN with with, um, Caitlin Collins, and he was talking about Kevin McCarthy should do this, should do this, should use the leverage that he has, and then she brought up when he was president, and he said, yeah, but when you're president, it's different. That's the problem. We've had had so many people campaign on doing the right thing. But when they get into office, they actually have an opportunity to do something. They all do the same thing. And that's why Aaron can say this has been the story my entire life. Indeed, that's well said by all
1: three of you. I mean, nothing's changed. I mean, this is this John Boehner era. I mean, the the current uh, GOP speaker uh, doesn't chain smoke and certainly is drunk less. Uh, at least visibly in public, but uh, that's it. That's all that's changed. I mean, surrender theater, pass legislation out of majority Republican Congresses with uh, majority Democrat votes, so really the Democrats are in the majority. Nothing has changed, and that's that's 10 years that we've gone through this uh, with alleged you know, insurrections called Tea Parties and MAGA's and nothing, nothing has changed. Just the names changed to protect the guilty. Um, and I want to make sure to reiterate one more time, what could have been done here is a very simple process. They could have just said, we're we're writing a check to the White House to pay the interest on the debt so we don't default to cover entitlements and military spending and veteran benefits. And here's that check. And if... Um, if that's not good enough, if the President has uh, some woke agenda that he wants to shut the government down for, he can make that case. Um, you know, after he can go ahead and get pumped up with some more Adderall uh, to make that case to the American people. we We gave him more than enough money to fund the government and all of its biggest and most um, popular and and, and uh, slash important expenditures. Here's that check. They chose not to do that. The only reason default was on the table is because Republicans chose not to do what I am suggesting. They, 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 they wanted to take that off the table right away. Why? That's why it's surrender theater. They put themselves on in a position on purpose, but to have no alternative than to make this deal other than default because they weren't willing to do what I just laid out. This whole damn thing's a lie and a scam. But as uh, the orange man said yesterday, it is what it is. Let's get to the exit question, shall we? Blessed Aide Mubarak or Ugandan social theory? Theory, You make the call, Aaron. What are you more in the mood for today? Uh, the dulcet tones of Ugandan social theory or a blessed Aide Mubarak? What will it be? Uh, Ugandan
0: social theory. I think it's probably more likely they know what a woman is over in Uganda than it is maybe uh, most places in Texas.
1: What do you think, Jill? Yeah, are you in are you uh, down bless- a little you feeling Ugandan or are you just gonna keep it real, keep it at home and uh, you know, just a blessed Ayyid Mubarak.
3: Blessed Aid Mubarak for days and days, Steve. That will that will hold a special place in my heart uh, forever. So blessed Aid Mubarak, it will be.
1: There's like five people watching or listening to this right now that know what this is a reference to. Now, they all think <laughs> it's very funny, but they're the only five. They're the only five. Okay. Uh, this show is, if nothing else, an acquired taste and few acquired. <laughs> Bob, what about you? Ayd Mubarak or uh, Ugandan social policy? What
2: are you in the mood to uh, uh, to travail here on a Friday? I think I'll go with Aaron with Ugandan social policy, Uh, and I do. I think they understand what a boy is, what a girl is. Everybody should know the difference. Uh, But being a Dutch guy, I'll go with the Ugandans.
1: They at least know what child rape is over there. They're they're at least aware of that. I mean, apparently we have members of our own Congress that are not as aware of what child rape is as the people of uh, the benevolent, and wise of course people of uganda do and if it just if that's just me um giving you the verbal equivalent of uh guns up double barrel middle finger i'm out tapped out after what went on this week you read the room you read the room properly that's that's exactly where i am at i mean i i am i am perpetually in a zero f's given mood just as a default setting But after this week, I am I'm just at a, you know. Can I add one more thing about the debt ceiling? (laughs) By all means, it is a blessed Eid Mubarak. We are always down (laughs) to add one more thing. I cannot
0: believe that Kevin McCarthy actually said out loud, "We grow the government, but at a slower rate." Those are things that we would kind of lampoon, but it's true. Parity, you know, five, ten years ago. Now he's just saying that out loud. That's going to be on the tombstone of uh, of the GOP maybe on the tombstone of America. We let the government grow, but at a slower rate. I can't I can't believe he thought that was a great but, justification. But Aaron,
2: they've said for years, we're cutting government because we're cutting the rate of the increase that we're going to give yeah. to government. Yeah, It's all terminology. It's all play on words.
1: And then there's the time that a Republican president said, I am suspending the free market yeah. uh, principles to save the free market. There's that time too. So it's great over here. We're fine here. How are you? We'll come back more of the day's group in a moment. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. Right back here on the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm here in Boise for the big Medical Freedom Conference, uh, courtesy of our friends over at We the Patriots USA. Before we continue on with the Dace Group, if you were listening to the Surrender Theater conversation we were just having, and you you were thinking, you know what, man, between a dementia-rattled president who can't stand up straight, And uh, as Jill put it, the beta males that are supposedly representing me, this thing's pretty much, this goose is pretty much cooked, man. I better make sure I'm prepped for when it goes down. Then you would be what we call a sentient life form with some form of cognitive thinking ability. So, contact our friends over at My Patriot Supply right now. Get their three month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks, the full complement of the 2,000 plus calories that you need every single day, you and everyone in your household. Uh, available to you at My Patriot Supply. You can save $200 on each kit, not off your bill. Each kit, even better. And they stay good, these kits do, uh, for up to 20-plus years with proper storage. Shipping is free as well. Shipping is free as well when you go to preparewithdace.com. Preparewithdace.com. Once again, that's preparewithdace.com. All right, we welcome back. Bob Vanderplot's there in studio, filling in for Todd Erzin. Jill Savage is here, Blaze TV contributor. And there, of course, is uh, the stalwart known as Aaron. Let's continue with our weekly look at the week that was with Issue 3, Begun! the DeSantis-Trump War has.
0: Ron DeSantis hit the campaign trail for the first time as a presidential candidate, kicking things off in Des Moines, Iowa.
1: At the end of the day, leadership is not about
0: entertainment. It's not about building a brand. It's not about virtue signaling. It is about results. And in Florida, we didn't
1: lead with merely words. We followed up our words with deeds. And we have produced a record of accomplishment that we would put up against anybody in this country.
0: Later in the week, Trump visited the first-in-the-nation state as well. The debt ceiling has just passed. I think it's a horrible deal, but I don't know what you think.
2: What do you think? Well, it is what it is. It was going to pass, they had plenty of votes.
0: DeSantis went from Iowa to New Hampshire. Governor, how come you're not taking questions from voters? Got coming up to me. talking to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you, are you blind? Are you blind? I'm not blind. Okay, so people are coming up to me, talking to me, whatever they want to talk to me about. While Trump stayed behind in Iowa. What do you do different as RNC members around this country? Yeah. And we have lost people
3: because you supported the jack. Yeah.
2: What were you thinking would do there? Yeah, well, you know, everybody wanted a vaccine at that time. And I was able to do something that nobody else could have done, getting it done very, very rapidly. But I never was for mandates. I was, I thought the mandates were terrible. And, and you know, there's a big portion of the country that thinks that was a great thing. You understand that. Not a lot of the people in this room, but there's a big, but there is a big portion.
1: All right, Aaron. We will let you go first this time. Uh, first question: In this much is this much hyped primary living up, or down to your expectations going in so far?
0: In person on the campaign trail, living up to my expectations, it's—I I think it's gone fairly smoothly, other than the Twitter launch for Ron DeSantis. But nobody's talking about that right now. We're on—I mean, that was an eternity ago in terms of news cycles. Uh, so I saw—I don't want to get into the crowd size, size sycophantism here, but. It really surprised me, uh, his event in South Carolina this morning, how many people were lined up ready to go in and the the size of of that event, because that should be deep uh, Trump country, you'd think, in South Carolina. So that surprised me. But I think what I've seen is, uh, at least from the campaign, a lot of discipline right now. Online, however, it has lived down, lived way down, like sub-basement down to my expectations, it's even more stupid than I was anticipating. The, just wow, because we're l-
1: usually expecting things to be pretty stupid. The, the lies, so more.
0: the obfuscations, the just constant stream of BS throwing against the wall and seeing what sticks, and none of it is sticking right now for the most part, is just exhausting to watch. I mean, thank goodness for people like Christina Pusha, who is just a Jedi master at messaging and uh, and campaign uh, communications, but uh, online, it is it is ugly right now, very
1: ugly. Jill, what say you?
3: Uh, yeah, I think uh, everything that Aaron said, I would just co-sign with, and you know, the DeSantis campaign, even with the, everybody was talking about, oh, the the Twitter spaces. But because everybody is talking about the Twitter spaces, that's the point. Everybody knows now that if you didn't know it all before, you now know that Ron DeSantis is running for president of the United States. That's a good thing, because now you move on and you see all the videos that are surfacing out of Iowa, now South Carolina. And Ron DeSantis has the substance now to back it up and to... Aaron's point of this is the dumbest campaign ever. Yeah, it is the dumbest campaign ever, but you guys get a front row seat to it there in Iowa. I mean, it's going to have plenty of things to talk about with shows like yours moving forward. There will be no lack of substance uh, going forward. So maybe that's a bit of a silver lining. But when you look at what has devolved uh, online, if you're talking about the glove length of Casey DeSantis, and that's the best that you can do coming out of the gate in the very first week, and that's what you have to hit Ron DeSantis with, buddy, it's gonna get even dumber because if that, that's what you're starting with. Great.
1: So Bob, what do you think? You're on the ground there in the first of the nation caucus state. You talk to people. You've got a, a quite the network of, uh, of birdies, spies,
2: observers. What do you think so far? I think, Steve, what we're going to do is take a look at especially the front runners who are coming out of the gate. And so obviously that's President Trump and it's Governor DeSantis. And I think even before Governor DeSantis announced his presidential campaign. So in early May, he was in northwest Iowa at an event with a huge crowd size, exceptionally well received. People coming up to him afterwards saying I was going to be a Trump, but I'm now going to be with you because I think you can win. He did the same thing in Cedar Rapids for the Republican Party of Iowa. Again, huge crowd size, huge crowd size, huge uh, enthusiasm there. But that was also a time where Trump had to cancel his plans to Iowa because of, of the weather. Whether, whether it was right or wrong, Ron DeSantis flies in and he has 300 people in less than 90 minutes. And it showed me that this is a governor of Florida who's taking this very seriously and basically saying game on. But now when you come out of the gate, Ron DeSantis again had a really strong out-of-the-gate performance coming into Iowa. Uh, Again, the crowd sizes were good, the enthusiasm was good, a lot of support. Not only did they they talk about him and his results, but they talked about Casey DeSantis. However, on the other hand, I think President Trump, this has been stumble after stumble out of the gate. And I don't care what issue you're talking about, if it's the, the sanctity of human life issue, I think he has stumbled there several times. Whether it's the vaccine issue and the COVID-19 and the lockdowns, I think he's stumbling there. And now with the debt ceiling saying, ah, it is what it is, kind of like, you know, that is the swamp mentality. That's not the same Trump that we saw, say, back in 2016. So right now, I would say advantage DeSantis after week one. What has he done wrong so far? Ron DeSantis talking about Ron DeSantis
1: from your perspective. He called you up today, right now, and said, we, we, w- one weekend, what would you, what would you have me do differently? Critique me. What have I what have I done that you're like, eh? I don't know about that."
2: I'm not so sure I would. Matter of fact, uh, he and I talked on Memorial Day, and I said to him, listen, it was a strong out-of-the-gate performance that you've had. Your team is definitely up to the challenge. I believe he and Casey are up up to the challenge. They're very focused on this. The one thing I get hit on by the media all the time, uh, Steve, is they ask me, yeah, but he's not good at retail politics. And I remind them, I said, listen, as the campaign goes on, he'll get stronger at retail politics, but it's a little bit like Ronald Reagan. Reagan said, you know what, I'm not a great communicator, but I get the opportunity to communicate great things. With Ron DeSantis, he might say, listen, I'm not all that great at retail politics, but look at what I've done in Florida. Look at the results I've done, how I've turned this state around, how I won in a landslide and gotten into demographics that we typically don't get into. When he communicates those things, that captures the imagination of Iowans and Americans of saying, we need to win again in 2024.
1: I want I want someone to define retail politics f- for me because I I heard this on Desantis's first couple trips to Iowa and I went and witnessed it myself at his kickoff event and you were there as well, Aaron. I I actually think he's really good interacting with people. Right? Where I where I think it, it's I wouldn't use the term underwhelming. Maybe I would say it's not as commanding as the reading of your prepared text at the stage. You know i mean i I actually from what I saw in person, what I've heard from people that have interacted with him, that the interaction part has actually gone very well it's It's the reading from prepared text thing that I think uh is not as charismatic maybe as people were thinking given his advanced billing. Anybody have a quick thought on that
0: i would I would generally agree with that. I mean, he seems to for the most part enjoy actually working crowds from what I've seen uh, but yeah the the prepared r- remarks. I, I like the way they're laid out. It's really good for a TikTok generation that's constantly, that's constantly being uh, distracted, a new accomplishment every 30 seconds, ta- changing the topic every 30 seconds, it seems like. Uh, but I, I just think it, he's more in his element when he's off the cuff. He can more access that passion that he has and the deep belief that he has that, uh, that he possesses when he's off the cuff. So that would be my, my biggest thing.
2: But I think, Aaron, when it comes to that as well, is that there's a lot of campaigns who want to make sure that their candidate is disciplined right out of the gate. And right out of the gate, you want him on on prepared text. Sure. I guarantee you he's going to lose those prepared texts, and he's going to be off the cuff. The one thing, though, the intangible I've heard over and over and over again about Governor Ron DeSantis is his wife, Casey. And I think that's what that shows is America's interest, Iowa's interest of having a basically role model couple, role model family that they wanna look at. Casey Casey is a tremendous asset for Governor DeSantis.
1: All right, let's get to the exit question, unless Jill, you had something else you wanted to add?
3: I was just gonna say, I was blown away by Casey DeSantis. Absolutely, what what she could have done that night, I, I don't think that she could have done any better than that, that, that opening night there in Iowa. All
1: right, exit question. What is more likely to happen this summer in the GOP primary? A. Chris Christie makes a midnight McNugget run for Trump, which never happened the first time, and I'm greatly disappointed by that. I, I, I needed that story to be true. B. Trump skips the first debate in August. C. New Hampshire Governor John Sununu gets into the race. Or D. Trump skips the leadership summit in Iowa. Which of those four do you think is more likely to happen this summer? Aaron. B
2: that trump skips the first debate in august okay bob i would agree with Aaron. i think he's going to skip the first debate in august i think he is going to show up at our leadership summit and i think after that he may choose i'm going to skip the first debate i'm going to disagree with both of you on that
1: i I just think khan cannot resist the mutara nebula they're they're going to put 10 million people they're going to 10 million people are going to watch gop candidates on and, and trump's not going to be there i and and he's going to be relegated to truth social pontifications i can't I can't see them. I can't see the moth, moth staying away from that flame. But what do you think, Jill?
3: I'm going to go A. Chris Christie needs to go out and make a McNugget run for Donald Trump because I want to create the world that I want to live in, Steve. So I'm going with A. A. Yeah, I want A to, Chris want a to be
1: true, too. To, Chris Christie
0: needs to run, just not for president. Yikes. Ba-doom. All right,
1: let's get to our kicker. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> let's get to our kicker topic. All right. Um, Predict the most ridiculous Pride Month corporate virtue signal you will see this month. And mine is, Oreo will come out with their new bottoms. And it's half a cookie, the cream on top. It's just the bottom half of cookie with the cream on top. Oreo bottoms. That's my prediction that you will see here for Pride Month, Oreo bottoms. Jill, what say you?
3: Uh, I, I will say that the weather is gay. We've already seen the National <laughs> Weather Service come out and put the the pride flag on their logos. And we all know, you know, the, the weather channel itself, they are all behind climate change and everything. But uh, the fact that people are trying to make the weather gay this year is is a pretty big one for me.
2: Bob, make it gay. Go, Bob. Make it gay. Uh, and this is one I'm not even projecting. I saw it this morning on Twitter, and then I, I retweeted it to see Notre Dame University uh, using a real rainbow, God's rainbow, a sign of his covenant uh, with his people and using that to promote, you know, the LGBTQ plus whatever it is today uh, agenda and how much, you know, they love being a part of it. And I think you're gonna see more and more Christian universities, you know, wrap themselves around this agenda, around this rainbow flag. And so I think that's the world in which we live today. And that's why I think it's, uh, more of a need than ever for the remnant to stand up and to speak truth, do it in love, but to speak truth.
1: Well, there we go. We tried to have a snarky conversation, and here comes Bob dropping serious truth bombs.
2: Yes, um, who basically,
1: I am. Ba- basically ec- yes, that's you. Basically, exegeting Revelation 2 5 there. Jesus is warning, I will come to you. If you do not repent and go back to your former things, I will come to you and take away your lampstand.
2: Mm.
1: Aaron.
0: I feel dirty because it feels like we're speaking things into existence here that ought not be. So I'm going to go with something that I've already seen, and that is Don Dish Soap is running an ad campaign right now that is explicitly promoting LGBTQIA plus Zodiac sign because everybody in America is doing their dishes, and they look down at their Don Dish Soap, and I wish... This was gay. Everybody is asking for that. What a great, what a great marketing opportunity.
1: We know how to wash with straight dish soap. Does anybody know how to wash with gay dish soap? How does that work? Anybody know how that works? So you wash front to back with the straight dish soap, back oh, to maybe. front with the gay. Yeah, how does it work? Maybe. Anybody know? No. See what I did there? Is this on? No. Okay. I don't All wash right. my hands. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to, let's get to our predictions. Jill, go.
3: Uh, I'm going to channel my inner Rachel Semmel and say motion to vacate will happen because Kevin McCarthy folded and will continue to fold and will continue to fold. So we need new leadership and somebody that's actually going to do something in the House while we control it.
1: That's right. We need a new person who will fold.
0: Aaron.
3: Exactly.
1: Yes. Joe
0: Biden will not be the 2024 Democrat nominee, no matter who the Republican nominee is.
1: Hmm. Okay. I could see it, but I thought I was going to see it for like the
2: last two years and haven't seen it yet. So, Bob, what's your prediction? Building off what Aaron said, I believe you're going to see Michelle Obama get nominated at the convention and have 90 days of talking points to try to win the presidency in 2024. It will not be Joe Hmm. Biden. It will not be Kamala Harris.
1: I am going to predict that an open homosexual will be on the 2024 national ticket of at least one major party, at least one. And it wouldn't shock me, depending on who the GOP nominee is, if it was two. But there will be at least one open homosexual on a national ticket in 2024. Panel, have any thoughts on that?
3: Are you trying to sneak in one more Lindsey Graham Joe, before
1: the <laughs> yeah. end of the day? I was like, I'm waiting. Uh, I said open. I said open. I'm That's waiting. a key term. Uh, I said open. I said open. All right. Not open secret. Open. So, Aaron, your thoughts? Um... No comments. Exactly. No comments. And, and
2: and you can just tell that by the look on his face, Bob is not eager to comment. At what? No, there'd be no comment. I'm, I'm waiting to end on something positive. Does it day Group <laughs> do something positive at the end here? Do you know get this excited is the Steve about show. something? Uh, sir, this is the Steve Day Show. Sir, this is the Nefarious Steve Day. Nefarious begins streaming tonight. That's there positive Paul. right there.
1: There you go. There you go. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you stepping in for us. Thank All you. right. God bless you guys. Yep. Same Good to, to see you, if, you cool. Jill. Yep. Indeed. And thank you to you as well, Jill. Thank you very much. We'll come back provided my computer doesn't die. We'll have feedback Friday when we do stay tuned. here with our 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here from Boise, Idaho. I'll be... Uh, attending and speaking here at the Medical Freedom Conference hosted by our good friends at We The Patriots USA who have done some incredible work. Uh, they were one of the first uh, to run into the fire known as COVID stand and uh, try to rescue as many people from it as they could. They are still doing a lot of great work. I've donated money to them out of my own pocket, which means I have no issue whatsoever with uh, recommending you do the same at We the WeThePatriotsUSA.org. They do tremendous work. Uh, we're here with uh, people like Charlie Kirk, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Ryan Cole. The latter two are people that you guys have heard on our show a lot the last few years. Of course, the first name there is a person that doesn't need much introduction with our audience, I would imagine. So, looking forward to this event this week. Looking forward to Feedback Friday as well, here coming up in a matter of moments. But first, a reminder, you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, we, uh, Gab, and you can also follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, get her Instagram and TikTok. Look for me on Truth Social at real Steve Dace there and once more, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Again, that's D-E-A-C-E. For a podcast listener, thank you very much for being one of those. You're a big part of our audience. If you have not yet done this though, please leave us a five-star review. Now, now maybe you're thinking you don't like the show. Well, we would never ask you to lie. We would ask you if you don't like it, why do you listen? You know, Don't you have something better to do? But you also might be thinking, I only kind of like it. Uh, We wouldn't ask you to lie, but we would clearly ask you to exaggerate. So, even if you just kind of like it, uh, leave us a five-star review, please. And thank you to all of you that have done that. Hit the subscribe, or if you're an iTunes listener, hit follow. And thanks again to all of you who have done that as well. Thanks as well to our friends over at Relief Factor. It is the all-natural anti-inflammatory, drug-free, but a formula created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, who realize that the origin of a lot of the chronic pain they were seeing in their, their medical practices which is too much inflammation in the body, and they want to do something about that. So they created this formula that they are very confident will work to help get rid of that inflammation in your joints that is causing a lot of your chronic pain. How confident? Well, they offer it to you for the first three weeks for just 20 bucks. 20 bucks for three weeks to see if you don't see a difference in your pain level in three weeks or less, and why are they that confident? Because over the years, about 70% of the people that have taken them up on it have ended up sticking around as a long term uh, client of uh, and, and customer of Relief Factor. If you want to see, if you don't see a difference in three weeks or less for just 20 bucks, that's it. What do you got to lose for 20 bucks? Go to ReliefFactor.com. That's ReliefFactor.com. Or you can call them at 804, the number four, 804 Relief. That's 804 Relief. All right, Aaron. I believe so. So the audience knows what's going on here. I am a complete and total moron uh, who forgot my power cord, and you're looking at it right now uh, on my desk there in the studio. Yep. So I did not realize it until we got uh, here to Boise last night, and we got here very late. It was It was after midnight with flight delays. So, scrambling to get over here this morning and everything else, we think we found a charger that's working. Now, it tells me it's charging, even though the battery uh, status uh, percentage keeps going down. Okay? So, so it's going to be
0: the Aaron McIntyre show here in about 10 I, minutes. I,
1: I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I've got the icon on my Dell Inspiron here telling me that it is charging. But every time I check the battery remaining, it's uh, battery status, it, it gives What's me... What's the percentage now? 24%. <sighs> okay. It was 27% before I plugged this in, okay? And so, it's it says on the icon, man, it's charging, all right? But I just want you and America to be prepared for what the last half hour of this show may end up being, all right? So, I hope you're ready, brother. You oh, ready? I'm always ready. I'm always ready. I was born ready. It, if nothing else, I mean, Aaron has thoughts on assembling the perfect end table over the weekend. Don't give me uh, ideas. This is still Q- your show. How to yank your neck when you're sleeping and you're not even 30. Yeah. Stuff like that, Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll get to we'll get let's get to some feedback Friday. You ready to go? Let's go. All right. Uh, let us begin here. Uh, I listened to your hospital podcast a few weeks ago, and and you said something that really stuck out with me that I am uh, and not but not for a good reason. I'm stuck on the part where you were told that the cell door is open. Walk out. If that's true for me, I'm unable to see it. I'll do my best to be brief. I I grew up brief. I should say I grew up in the faith, but it meant little to me until my true conversion midway through high school. The story leading up to my personal revival involved suicidal ideation, which I thankfully no longer suffer from and mention only to emphasize that I took my faith seriously from the from the start of my time in college. I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ in a local church. I attended functions for both organizations religiously, and my social life was almost exclusively tied to Bible study that I did with about 20 other men. The only thing that would prevent me from spending more t- my time in the aforementioned groups would be mandatory ROTC functions. I never joined the ROTC peers in their typical college partying, but I did my best to witness to them otherwise. I was not very effective at this, as I was very socially anxious And I was a quiet person at the time. During my junior year, I attempted to outreach to my peers in ROTC by starting a Bible study. The results on that were very far below even my most conservative expectations. (laughs) But during one of my efforts, I love the way that's worded. One of my peers very casually invited me to a frat party. That may not sound very special, but it was the first time I'd been invited to anything in years. I also had to reach out to be invited to something, which I didn't find surprising since I wasn't the life of the party. That simple invitation, though, had begun to make me wonder if anyone in my Christian social, social circle cared that I was even around. During the next meeting with my uh, C- crusade small group, I let them know in, my, in very clear terms how alone and overwhelmed I was feeling. The group all prayed over me, but spoiler alert, that performative virtue signal is all they ever did. When nothing changed, I decided that I would skip all my faith gatherings for a bit to figure out where I stood. I hoped someone would notice after a week, but an entire year passed with no contact. And I had my answer. The people I had spent years calling brother didn't give a rip about me and probably never did. It crushed me and it felt like God had cast me aside as well. That was over 10 years ago. My life has been materially comfortable thanks to a steady career in tech, but I have spent all that time as one of those millennials who has zero friends. I briefly looked at going to church a few times, but I've never gone through with it. Even if I get back to a point where I stand, where I start cracking open my Bible on a regular basis, I don't see myself trying to join a church community again. If I'm being totally honest, I guess I'm also one of those millennials whose highest priority is money, just because it's the most satisfying option I feel I can get. I've wanted marriage and a family since I was in high school, but that has been and will always be out of my reach. All of this has been as empty and miserable as it sounds, and I've wanted to ditch this burden for a long time, but I have no idea how to do it without going through the same crap all over again. With your recent experience freeing yourself from baggage you've been carrying, I guess you'd be curious to hear. I'd be curious to hear what you think my path forward should be when my cell door isn't open. So Aaron, this is your generation, and I can't speak to growing up in an era where you can have the world at your fingertips, but at the same time, have a dearth of people that you individually would call a friend or that you can, you know, go through life with, share life with, be yourself around. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and, you know, we, the Atari 2600 and Nintendo and the VCR and the DVD and all that stuff that made being home and alone um, an option for long stretches of time were we're in their nascent stages, you know, I mean, we, you know, we would come in and play video games, you know, on the Atari or the Nintendo for a couple of hours, then go play outside and, you know, basketball, baseball, football, for a couple of hours that this idea of living a virtual life, it, you know, I've seen a little bit of it with my own kids because they're, you know, younger obviously, but I, I'm not exactly sure how to navigate that world. You know, like my wife and I met on an AOL chat room that was, you know, brand new at the time. Now it's very common uh, to even date virtually. So I I, want to get your take on this before I weigh in. What say you? My
0: instinct and this is just my instinct. And I need to temper my words here because again this is my instinct. It may be truthful or there may be elements of truth within this. It may also need to be seasoned with salt a little bit. My instinct with the very online members of my generation and Generation Z who have come to the place that this individual is in, realizing that they they are lonely, and that is sad. They realize they have a problem. They realize what the problem is. My instinct, again, this is mine alone, is a bit of a slap upside the head. Okay? To say, put down the phone, get away from screens. Force yourself, and maybe you've done this before, and that's where this maybe needs to be seasoned with a little bit more salt on my end. Okay? Okay? Force yourself to take up a hobby. Something. Force yourself just to go and take the next step outside of your home. Listen, I, I, I've been in similar situations before, okay? We joke, <laughs> we joke about the whole coffee table, end table things. I had just gone through a, a breakup that had really, really hurt actually and I just made the conscience a conscious decision that I'm not just gonna sit around here I need to go build something I need to go do something that's what that was we joke about that and rightfully so it's really random and I don't even use that coffee table anymore I do use the end table though every day but I just decided I got to get my hands on something I got to build something I got to do something Maybe that's the way I'm wired, and maybe not everybody is wired that way, but I'm always going to be more harsh on my generation, um, or as harsh on my generation as I am on, uh, like, the boomer generation. Every generation sucks because every generation is <laughs> made up of sinners. But when I see, and I, and I see this today, I'm, I'm friends with people. On uh, on Facebook, who who I've known in the past, they are they fit this bill. I see the loneliness there. I see the despair, to some degree, and I just want to tell them, you've got to get up, and just do something. Not online. Not in front of a screen. Again, maybe Steve. Maybe with uh, you've got about twenty years on me. Maybe your words can be a little bit more seasoned than mine. But unfortunately,
1: that's my instinct. So this is why I wanted you to answer this, this first, because this was my instinct as well. I mean, for example, when I hear him say wife and family is, you know, that's off limits to me. If you're a millennial, it's a little early to be making that kind of a case. Um, I think. Um, and I think I think in the end, we have, we have ruined men with low expectations. Um, and one of the, one of the areas where I, I saw this a few years ago, and I think I've talked about this before, even here on the show, was watching the Netflix documentary on Jordan Peterson and watching, men, young men around your age or younger, Aaron, waiting for him after his shows. And I mean, there's like tears going down their cheeks, man, you know, and, and a lot of his shows weren't, you know, you can do it. They're like, Hey kid, um, put down the joystick and, uh, um, do the laundry, make your bed, um, and grow up pretty, pretty pointed. And, and a lot of these young men, because of what exists in the pulpit right now, because of what exists uh, with their own patriarchs or the lack thereof in their own families, the, the state of fatherhood in America right now, they, they don't know that they that there is something more or better than this. Now, I think in, in Dan's case, given the home that he grew up in, he probably heard these things and had them modeled. Um, but ultimately, here's what I can tell you is true about... If you're a man in this audience, if you're a millennial like Dan, if you're a boomer like our parents, if you're a Gen Xer like me, if you're a Gen Zer, um, this is true of manhood in this and any other era. You will achieve what you prioritize. Period. That's it. You will achieve what you prioritize. Dan? You have achieved material wealth because you, you, um, you have prioritized the feeling that you get from that. Um, what happened with your, with your college church group, it sucks. No question about it, but that's not the only church group. I mean, we're not. Um, we're not necessarily all that enthralled with the current state of the American church, particularly when it comes to its men and the way that it treats them. But we still go three go. Um, God is still worthy of being worshiped and he wants to be worshiped The church. And I would urge you, Dan, to make sure to search your own heart. That's not to say that some crappy things weren't done to you, dude. They were. But I I would urge you to search your own heart and to make sure that there is nothing in there that you're making certain life choices out of the the self-justification or self-righteousness that you think you're entitled to because of your perceived victim status on some level. Because as long as you continue to make decisions for on that basis, whatever the percentage is, you are gonna hold yourself back. You are going to make decisions out of fear, out of misery, uh, out of uh, failure. There's There's no joy or peace or contentment to be found in those places. And I know everywhere you turn nowadays, everyone, is incentivized to claim some form of victim status. And often there's a legit reason to it. I mean, we live in a we live in a sinful fallen world. We do really poopy things to each other. We do even dumber things to ourselves sometimes. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be you're going to be let down. You're going to be failed. You're going to be disappointed. But you know, I look at my own situation. It wasn't an option for me to just say, well, I guess, you know, I didn't have a great example as a, of a dad growing up, and I have the scars physically and mentally to, to prove it. So I guess, you know, that that's why I'll just be a crappy dad to my own kids, and I'll just return back. The dog will return to its own vomit, and I'll revert back to that that excuse as the reason why nothing better could ever be asked of me. Yeah. Um. That may seem to be harsh based on the decisions you're making, and, and and they're not as impactful to other people as what my decisions would have been if I had made the one I just described, but we're, we're arguing degrees. The premise is the same, brother. The premise is the same. What do you want out of life? Do you want a wife and a family? Then you just don't accept no for an answer. You get up, you make it happen. You're not a victim in that sense bad things were done to you, but, but and you've been victimized, but victimhood as a status and then trying to essentially self-medicate yourself with money, which is basically what you're doing and, and masquerading and covering it as achievement. And that's where I get my significance. I, you know, a year ago, last month, my father-in-law died. He was 101st Airborne. We waited till August to do the military funeral. So members of the family from around the country had come in for it. And I walked through the military cemetery where he is buried. Funny thing is I looked at all of those tombstones. Nobody put on their tombstone, achieved a very high rank. Nobody put on there any form of material significance. Everybody's tombstones were about the things that truly leave behind a legacy. And those are the things that you are shutting yourself off from, Dan. And in this case, the person that is that, that you're victimizing here is actually yourself. In the end as a man. And this is true for any man within the sound of my voice, regardless of your age, physical status, health, period. If the Lord has not called you home yet, then... You will achieve whatever you prioritize, period. It's on you to redeem the time. You will achieve whatever you prioritize. Aaron, you want to add anything else to that?
0: There's a difference between writing off desires in your life. There are desires, different types of desires that we all have. Some of them are sinful. A lot of them are sinful because we are sinners. There are some desires, though, that are really, really good that God actually gave us and designed for us. And one of those is marriage and children. That's a righteous desire. There's a difference between writing off that desire, a huge chasm of a difference. Writing off that desire and being at peace with, hey, I'm single right now. I will just tell you from personal experience. I've told this story before. Uh, I was a freshman in high school, loved football, played football. Smallest guy on the team. It was either me or Ethan Pitt. We were the two two smallest dudes on the team. And I remember one of the juniors, or maybe it was one of the soft. No, it was one of the juniors. Last practice, we did fun conditioning, where we'd run across the the field with a tackling uh, dummy diagonally. And the game was you had to cross the center of the field before the other guy did or else there would be a major collision. One of the juniors on the team got out of line, lined up to where he could go with me to specifically target me because I was the smallest guy on the team. And he did, and he clobbered me, and everybody laughed, and it was embarrassing. Last practice of the season. I remember riding home and saying to myself, just basically saying to myself, I know, this seems, this seems really, really, um, I, I don't know, trite. But I just said to myself, I know, God wants me to be small right now, but it's really, really hard. But I made peace with it. In that moment, I made peace with it. Physically, I was at a disadvantage. The following summer, I went through the adolescent growth spurt. I believe it was the following year. It wasn't the same junior, but it was a different junior. I, uh, I did a crack block on this guy and uh, knocked him on his butt. Twice, he was still twice the size of me. I was still one of the smaller guys on the team. And um, it's, I don't think one led to the other. Just being at peace led to my growth spurt. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that things are not inachievable. The choice is, are you going to just ride off the achievable, or are you going to make peace with where you are right now? When I I met—let me say that in English. When I met my (laughs) wife, Bella, I was at peace, finally, with the fact that I was single. I'd been at peace for about five or six months, really, before I met her. And now we're married. We have a kid and a house. I'm not saying that making peace with the fact that you are not where you want to be leads like a cosmic vending machine to getting what you desire that is not the message but as steve was saying search your heart if you desire something that is not overtly sinful if you desire something actually that's good true and beautiful like a wife and children that's an okay desire but don't get upset with god don't get upset with yourself don't make yourself into a victim If that's not what God has for you right now, that's all.
1: Yeah, I I just think young men need to hear, and and they heard this from their dads for centuries. And sometimes dads weren't very nice when they said it, but it was still true. Stuff ain't going to just happen for you, bro. Stuff's just not going to happen for you. So you take the, that's what masculine initiative is about. You take the, the gifts, the talents, abilities that the good Lord gave you and uh, do something with them. Take initiative, make it happen. Stuff won't just happen for you. You'll get some breaks. I mean, I've had people give me breaks, call me out of the blue, offer me gigs. But if I didn't take those gigs seriously, if I didn't do the work, it wasn't going anywhere. And and, and the, the biggest break I ever got in this business, I did myself. I just... When a aside I got started in this business because I went out and wrote a story as if I was a sports reporter and I'm not. I wasn't at the time. And just wrote the story as if I were. I I took initiative. I put it on them. Take initiative. Whatever whatever you set out to achieve, whatever whatever you prioritize is what you'll achieve, and whatever you achieve is what you prioritize. Period. Tamara writes, New Hampshire Republican voters will vote for the best candidate to run the country. They will not just vote for Sununu out of loyalty to their governor. Okay. I've never been to New Hampshire. I will defer to Tamara on that. I will say, though, that in every previous historical example, when a guy runs and he's even remotely popular, he wins his own state. You know, so... I, I mean, I, I would be very stunned of a guy with a 66% approval rating have, like governor Chris Sununu, and I don't know. I mean, he was not a good COVID governor, so I'm not, again, I don't live there though. I don't know what else he's done. That's good. You know, so I'm not, I'm not sure how he's earned that. And I don't know how left wing the state is. I mean, it claims to be live free or die, but, you know, lots of states claim lots of things these days that they don't live up to, you know? So, I, but I will defer to you on that, but, um, History has shown, particularly if they have 66% approval ratings, that if Chris Sununu runs for president, there's going to be a lot less invested in New Hampshire as a primary state. I mean, the the idea that you're going to win it, the campaigns are going to probably think that's a point of diminishing returns. But that would be a story. That would be a story if a guy had a 66% approval rating in his own state and wasn't able to win his own state primary as a presidential candidate. I've never heard of such a thing. But Aaron, we're kind of living in the era of, of things we've, uh, that we've never heard of happening, right? So I was about it's not to, that
0: far-fetched. I was about to earnestly ask you, Steve, why, if you're Chris Sununu, would you even run for president if you don't have a shot at winning? And then I remembered, what was it? What was the Ohio governor, whose dad was a mailman? Doesn't matter. John Kasich. J- John yeah. Kasich. John Kasich was a yeah. thing. So yeah. they're just, it's a vanity project. That's all it is. That's all these types of runs ever have been. Difference with somebody like Tim Scott is you've got some money. So, you know, you might be able to make some noise there, but it's, um, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that analysis that, you know, if you've got a, if you're a, if you're the uh, homeboy there in, in your own home state, then you're probably going to win that primary um, having it so early though, Ohio, Ohio is different cause it was a lot later on, but having an early state just kind of off the, the map there, that's where the, the spidey senses are tingling. Cause you think that Trump mm-hmm. probably wins South Carolina. If you game plan this out a little bit, I think DeSantis will probably win Iowa. If New Hampshire is off, we're, we're dealing with ifs, ands, or buts here. I understand that. If New Hampshire is off the table, you have to think, uh, Trump wins in South Carolina. It's like, you know you you held serve nobody's going to get 2 out of 3 states so that's going to change the dynamic i think quite a bit and that would be the that would be the thing that really we haven't seen i don't think at least not in my lifetime
1: you know another another factor here is if chris snوده does not run does he endorse true you know because again you're talking about a guy with a 66% approval rating watch his endorsement do- would watch him endorse Nikki haley <laughs> it, it, it would, it would, it would have some magnitude. I mean, I, I, I don't know what. Again, I don't live there. I don't know. I do know if our governor endorsed, it would have existential magnitude. And I'd have told you before yesterday, ninety percent she won't endorse. But with Trump going out there yesterday and saying that he gets the credit for her winning, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drop that percentage down to eighty percent. I mean, if he keeps that kind of stuff up, I, I could see her. Going ahead and weighing in and saying, "eh, I guess we can make a demonstration of who needs who around here." I could see that if if he if if he persists in that, if it's just a one-time thing, my guess is she was annoyed and won't care. But if he comes keeps coming to the state and persists in that kind of messaging, I I, I could drop that percentage even more. If she keeps uh, in, could,
0: if she keeps introducing Desantis the way she did the other night here in Des Moines, that's a de facto endorsement, though.
1: I think that might be the strongest introduction I have ever heard someone give a guy running for office that didn't include an endorsement, as a matter of fact. All right, we'll come back. More feedback Friday, including the impact that Nefarious had on one of our listeners next. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. I am here in Boise for the Be the Patriots USA Medical Freedom Conference this weekend. Aaron is back there in uh, West Des Moines. Todd has the day off. He's a do- other one of his other daughters now. He's apparently got a couple of them, a fleet of them now that are big-time athletes. One of them is uh, in the state semifinals uh, for girls' soccer this weekend, so we gave him the day off to be a part of that. Uh, you might want to be a part of our friends over at Birch Gold because you just witnessed this week the 79th time uh, that Congress said uh, it raised the debt ceiling. Aaron, is it a ceiling if you can just keep raising it? Right? I mean.
0: In the words of what, who was it? Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof.
1: <laughs> right, right. Um, this is again when you're going to see uh, paving the way for reckless sp- uh, spending, further devaluation of the dollar. There has been. There's been one commodity that has stood the test of time all throughout human history as the best hedge of protection against these kinds of government debasement schemes. It's gold. Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into the gold, and you can do that with with the help of our friends at Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401K into an IRA in gold. You don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. And um, you can uh, follow the lead of those who have figured out over the centuries how to protect themselves from governments – Predatory governments like ours. All right, follow their lead. Text Steve to 989 898. That's 989 898 for your free info kit on gold. No obligation, just information. With an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. Text Steve to 989 898. 989 898. Take action today. Again, text Steve to 989 898. All right, let's continue on here on a Feedback Friday. And this note, Aaron, just blew me away when I read it. My mother, Veronica, is probably your biggest fan. She never misses a show. Uh And I'm the beneficiary of her patriotism. My wife passed away in 2017. And I have not been the same ever since. In fact, I went from a man who studies the Bible daily with multiple commentaries open to a daily drug user, abandoning my own children, in a constant effort to alleviate myself of the pain and uh, and forget all that I had lost. My faithful mother asked me to go and see her movie Nefarious with her. I am so scared of horror movies uh, and that genre um, that if she had asked me about any other film in this genre, I would have said no. But this, th- this day and this movie, this was the day that the Lord had made. And so I said yes. And before the movie even ended, I knew that I was going to flush the drugs that I had in my car and that this day I was done with that lifestyle altogether. I left the theater in tears and though I was walking upright in my mind, I was on my knees begging our Lord to forgive me and restore me to his kingdom. And now this just happened just minutes ago at the time I'm writing this. I probably still have a residual residue of the drugs that I flushed down the toilet on my fingertips. I know I have a road ahead of me, but I wanted to say thank you. I wanted to tell you guys that I love you guys and I wanted you to know that you've always been an inspiration to me. Thank you for allowing the Lord to do his work through you with a movie like this. And that is from Brandon. We have heard, I can't tell you how many powerful stories and testimonies as a result of seeing our film and, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a currency that is incalculable. So Brandon, first of all, thank you for the honor of sharing your story with us and, and reminding us when we get annoyed or why isn't this working out the way we had hoped or Why does this person have this, that the most important thing, and we need to be reminded of this too, is the mission. And your note is a testimony to that. So thank you. Um, If you're listening, I I would greatly encourage you to get yourself into a Celebrate Recovery group. Um, Get around other people that have also faced this struggle. Share your burdens with one another. Have a, a support system. Um, the root word of discipline is uh, 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 is disciple. So Jesus didn't come to to convert us. He came to disciple us. The church isn't called to make converts. It is called to make disciples. And new discipline requires repetition. Um, it requires perseverance, It requires support. You could hear that in the note we talked about last segment, the gentleman who thought he had a support group with his campus crusade for Christ group, and he found out the hard way that he didn't and has still never really fully recovered from that. Find that kind of support group where you live, Brandon. Make that the number one priority in your life if you have not done so already. but uh, but thank you very much. and it's uh, somewhat awkward, but good segue that *Nefarious* does hit streaming today. We have had a uh, a last minute snafu with Amazon. Now I'm not as involved in the streaming conversations as I was the theatrical stuff, so I don't I don't know everything going on there. And 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 I'll just tell you guys one of the reasons why is because we had a lot of streaming offers for the movie, including from prominent conservative sites multiple prominent conservative sites. And I happen to work for a prominent conservative site, Aaron, in case you hadn't noticed. And so I just made the decision at that point, I I needed to, I, I just shouldn't be in a position as an executive producer who also is associated with the blaze to either be negotiating with them or with competitors with them. So I, I have been wholly removed from the streaming process and very involved in the theatrical process, um, and, and so I'm, uh, and, and we had to set up our streaming concurrently with this. It wasn't like, okay, the theatrical rent is done. So now let's talk to the streamers. I mean, the people that have been working on the streaming side of Nefarious have been at this since, uh, we, you know, the movie was released in April. And, and so I'm finding this all out like yesterday, flying here to Boise, but apparently Amazon both, wa- both wants to charge way more for a, a PVOD rental than even iTunes does their peer. And they're not, and they're telling us they can't hook our movie up so that people internationally cannot download it because we're looking at putting together a, uh, a global distribution theatrically for nefarious as well. And so this would obviously interfere with that. And so somehow Amazon is telling us that they can't, they can't make that work And so we're like, well, Hey, you know, it's gotta be one or the other. You have to either give us, you have to give us something on the, on the, the, on your take or, you know, not ruin our, our our global distribution take at the same time. And so they have not been the most amenable. And so that's why our movie is not there right now. Um, and I just learned this like this morning, uh, or maybe it was late last night. Uh, so no, it was this morning. Um, that's what's going on there, but it is right now on iTunes, Google, Voodoo, Salem Now, uh, who helped distribute very successfully, um, Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 Mules and the Uncle Tom film from a few years back as well. So those are the places where you can go and you can stream it now um, on iTunes, Google, Voodoo, uh, Dish, I, mentioned, I forgot to mention Dish, and Salem Now are the places. And we're going to continue working, see if we can come to an agreement with Amazon, but we're, we're just We're just not going to let him sodomize us, frankly. That's what's going on there. So, Aaron, your thoughts on, uh, back to the note from Brandon, your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, a powerful, uh, powerful note. And, you know, just kind of being on the outside looking in and you, you know, off the air and sometimes on the air. Um, lifted up the, the hatch and let us look inside the process of, of making a movie. And again, from the outside, after it's been released, being able to vicariously uh, experience this alongside uh, with you. Um, the movie was right over the target and is right over the target. It confronts what needs to be confronted and the person and people who need to see it that's about the uh, in in terms of the mission just taking aside the the nuts and bolts of the the craft the mission of the movie i believe i think it's i I think it's been accomplished because at the end of the day you can make you can make a great movie with great cinematography, with a great script, with great acting performances. You can even have, you can even have a, a great release, a seven-week run in the theaters. Maybe it even, uh, you know, makes a, a little bit of money as well. But if you're coming to this with a missional, um, with with a missional mindset, which is what you did. That's the whole reason you're making the movie. That's the whole reason why your investors put up the millions of dollars they did to be able to make this movie. If you don't get that last thing correct, which is really the first thing, the impetus for why you're doing that. If you don't stay on mission, you don't see fruits of that mission being accomplished. All of the other stuff is well and good, maybe even glorifying to God. But there is a little bit of uh, of an emptiness there. So this movie, though, I I do think has accomplished and will continue to accomplish the mission that it is. It is a confrontational movie that requires everybody, everybody, believer and non-believer alike, everybody, to answer a question. Mm -hmm. And it, dude, it, it, I think it achieved that mission. And it's going to live on for a long time as well. I mean, it's hitting streaming now, I'm sure, late summer or whenever. I don't know. You haven't told me. Whenever it goes over to being able to buy it uh, or stream exclusively somewhere, it'll continue to live on for a long, long time and uh, continue to accomplish that mission.
1: It's been an amazing journey to make the making of this film. I mean, it has... I mean, along the way, we have, uh, by God's grace, we've beaten COVID. We beat a Hollywood labor union in court in a proceeding presided over by a Biden judge or magistrate. Um, we, we got into theaters without, uh, without any ties to a major studio at all, just as a, as a pure mom and pop independent film. And we lasted it. We, got, we, had every, we had five movies come out of nowhere and decide to debut the same week that we were going to. They all got thrown at us as well. We, we ended up surviving in, uh, uh, in theaters for seven weeks. So I, I, I don't know how profitable a venture this film will turn out to be. Uh, it, will t- it will take a minor miracle for me to see uh, any money from the film itself. You know right now, our entire focus is is making enough revenue to pay our investors back because there is an appetite on both the investor side and on the content producer side uh, to make more nefarious oriented content. And we already have some, Pretty cool ideas. Even more, even in addition to the obvious one, making the sequel book *Nefarious Carol* into a film, but we have some other ideas that we are tossing around as well. But ultimately, our investor group has to be made whole to show that there, that you can do this with mature faith-based filmmaking that it doesn't have to be cheesy it de- it, 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 and, and um nor does it have to be decadent and secular that, that that needle can be threat and ultimately what matters to people in in the end to determine whether they want to invest in something is it's profitability and that's p-r-o-f-i-t not p-r-o-p-h-e-t now that's what i'm into but, you know, um, this is also a for-profit venture called the Steve Day Show at the exact same time. That's why we have ads. That's why we sell subscriptions. So I get it. And um, and, and I don't know that we will pay our investors back. I don't know. I, I, you know, the we don't really have a clue how well it will do in PVOD. That's a premium video on demand. Because the last time that our filmmakers brought a movie to market unplanned, this didn't exist yet. It was pre-COVID. So, the idea that there was this window of premium video on demand before you went to the big streamers, as you were just talking about, didn't exist. So none of us have a clue how it will do. Um, but the one thing I can assure you that this movie will do, as Aaron pointed out, it will survive. I mean, this movie has survived, even things i've mean I've even told you guys about. i mean, the the obstacles it took to make this film were multiple times it they seem to be insurmountable. If you would have told me after our week one performance that we would have survived six more weeks in theaters, I'd have told you you were nuts. No way. You know, so the one thing that Nefarious will do as a film um, is it will confront and inspire those whom see it uh, and it will survive as a movie. It has already shown one heck of a survival instinct. It, it, the movie will persevere for sure. Aaron, you have any final thoughts on uh, the week before we close this out? Well, it
0: has been uh, anything but uneventful, anything but uneventful. And my best of the week this week, th- that we'll talk about up in, in, in overtime, is, I think we're going speaking of, of, of questions that beg answers, I think I'm, I'm optimistic about something. We are going to get an answer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm optimistic about something. We are Wow. Now the, okay. the answer may not be optimistic, actually. but the fact that we're actually going to get an answer, uh, has me optimistic. Uh, we are going to get an answer to a question. I think that's been, I think that's been, uh, illustrated enough times now, and this is a political thing, but it's been illustrated enough times now that, um, this primary is not just going to be a wet fart. I'll just put it like that. And so I, that, that, will come up in, in overtime. Um, but, uh, Yeah, heading into the weekend, um, it's weeks like this, especially if you're very online, like all of us are. Weeks like this, um, if you can over the weekend, take a little bit of time to decompress, unplug, get off the the screens. I find myself, man, even if I'm doing chores around the house, which there are a multitude of, that's going to be one of my worst of the week, by the way. Even when I'm doing chores, if I just allow myself to just be away from all of the noise for a while it is good for the soul mm-hmm. even if you're
1: Aim even if that. you're
0: doing tasks that are frustrating or require many many steps if you just allow yourself to step away it is very good for the, the soul
1: That's why, man, I I listen to sports or theology podcasts in my spare time, you know, Um, when I'm out mowing the lawn, things of that nature, taking long walks, working out is because of exactly what you just said for sure. All right. We're going to stick around and do our best and worst of the week for overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you on Monday. Take Aaron's advice. Enjoy the weekend. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.